Just right on the front of your bulletin, we have our passage for the day. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You guys may be seated. Awesome. Check one, two. Can you hear me? Got to test this before. How's it going, everybody? Good. Hey, is anybody else warm in here? Is it alright if I take my flannel off? Is that okay? Hold on. Fan for thinking I was becoming one of you. No. <laughs> oh, that was priceless. I think you're trying to. Awesome. All right. Well, now that we got that over with, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active, and um, it has the power to teach, to rebuke, to correct. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to what it is that you're saying to each one of us through your word. And uh, Lord, I pray that this message would not be a demonstration of any kind of human wisdom. Uh, Lord, it would just be a demonstration of your power. And uh, Father, I thank you for uh, bringing each one here this morning. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I feel like I'm barely coming through. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right, cool. So um, this morning, we are going to dig into the book of Ephesians. Um, I chose this passage because our missional community group that meets at uh, my house have been making our way through a study on the book of Ephesians. So a lot of these things were on my mind. Um, and so I'm going to try and catch you guys up to speed a little bit about, about the book uh, that we've been learning in our study. And the first is that a couple major themes in the book of Ephesians are unity and purpose in the church. And uh, so as a missional community group, we, we seek to be a family on mission together. And so unity and purpose, that's like kind of r- why we're digging into the book of Ephesians here. Um, the book of Ephesians is an epistle. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And... Uh, the, 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 the letter is, a lot of theologians think that it's like a circular letter. So though, although it was written to one church or one group of people in a city, it was passed around for, for different cities and different churches. And so that's kind of cool that as we're reading this, we're knowing that different churches were reading the same thing. Um, and, and this letter was a letter to commend the church because they were, they were healthy. They were doing a good job um, living uh, a life according to the calling, as we just read. Uh, it's, not, it's not like some of the other letters that maybe Paul wrote, like the Corinthians, for uh, like church discipline or other things. 
So as we just read, can I steal uh, your bulletin? Thank you. As we just read, um, Paul is urging the church to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. All right, Calling, that's kind of a weird uh, word that we hear, but a lot of us feel kind of like weary about attaching it to ourselves. Like, I don't know, I- I'm sure that some here have felt called to do something at some point in their life. Who's willing to raise their hand and say, I have felt called to do something in my life, some action? Yeah, there's like a scattered handful of people here. Um, I think that's more common than a lot of people thinking that uh, like their life is a calling. That's, those are like two different things. Um, and I think it's easy to fall into believing that God specifically calls only certain people and not others. Like, there's special ones who have a calling, and then the rest of us are just, like, normal Christians, right? Um, but I want to I tell you guys something very important this morning, and uh, that is that if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're old or you're young, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're a new believer or an old believer, whether you're educated or uneducated, no matter where you're from, no matter what your past is, God has called you by name. And he has a purpose for your life. He's chosen you, and it's no accident that you're sitting here today. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, first of all, I want to say it's no accident that you're here today. I think it's really awesome that you walked through those doors and uh, high five for that. I don't know that if I were coming from that place that I would be willing to to walk into these doors into a a setting like this, but I want you to know that you're welcome. We're glad you're here. And it's no accident that you're here, and the fact that you are here probably tells me that God is is calling you as well, which is cool to think about. And so um, throughout the book of Ephesians, we have a lot of, uh, it brings our attention to this idea of purpose and calling and unity. And some of, the, some of the passages that do that um, start in Ephesians 1. I'm just going to read a couple verses. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says, Praise be to the God and the Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the ones he loves. And then down in verses 11 and 12, it says, In him we were also chosen, having been being predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose and will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So I don't know if you caught that there. It said, before the creation of the world was born, or before the creation of the world, we were called, we were chosen. It was by no accident that you came to know Jesus. You know, God has called his children. Amazing to think about. Um, And then later on in, in, in chapter two, it says, a familiar verse right here is, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, 
I think we need to remember that we weren't just saved from something. We were saved for something or to something. God hasn't just called us to be rescued from a past life. He's called us into a future. And he's prepared work for you and I to do so that he might be praised. You know, we saw in those verses multiple times it said, for the praise of his glory. Now, I love Marcus's message last week about repentance. And if I sound surprised, I'm not. <laughs> I, loved his, I loved his message about repentance. Um, and in it, he said, we, when we encounter a holy God, the first thing we, we do is we stop and we say, wow, wow, God. And that causes us to look at ourselves and say, I am doomed. In the face of this perfect God, I am doomed. I need a savior. And so we fall down on our faces before God. But God never leaves us there. By his grace and in his kindness, he lifts us up. And it's there that we grasp the love and forgiveness that he offers in Christ. And then, finally, this causes us to turn and say, Lord, I am yours. I will go. Send me. If you, if you uh, weren't here last week, I would really encourage you to check out the podcast um, of the sermon last week. Marcus did an awesome job. And so this idea of repentance, I think our culture a lot of times views repentance and surrender as like something that subdues or squashes a person's life. But biblical repentance is actually a catalyst for sending us out to go live for God. When true repentance and surrender happen in our lives, we can't help but contain the goodness of God and his grace and forgiveness for us. So Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. What, what exactly is this calling that we have all received? Well, to put it in more 21st century terms, I think it's this. I think we're called to be human in public and explain why. Here's what I mean by that. You and I, all people, were created in God's image and in God's likeness. So I think a lot of times we use the phrase like, oh, I'm just human, as if like humans are inherently flawed. When God created us, he created it and said, this is very good. The problem is we're broken. We were created good, but we are broken. That's where sin entered the world. God is trying to return us back to the true form of humanity. So we are called to be image bearers of him. That's why I say be human. And so to be human is to live your life in such a way that mirrors who God is. That, that, that um, says who God is and what he's like. And then being ready to give an answer for why. Why, why we live our lives that way. Um. You know, the calling essentially is to be a representation of what God has done for us. Uh, one of my favorite verses to quote, and I've probably quoted it in like eight of the last ten sermons that I preached, is uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, where we're called ambassadors. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he, was committed to, uh, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We might implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so we have inherited this calling as children of God. We are ambassadors, all of us. This is not unique to any one person uh, in God's family, but we are all his ambassadors in the world. Um, Earlier on in in the book of Ephesians, it talks about the church, how Christ is the head, the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. So we are called to be a people who go into the world and fill the world with his presence through his spirit in us. So it, there came a point in my life, even before I was in full-time ministry, when I, when I kind of came to the realization of this calling and I said, Lord, it doesn't matter what job you lead me to, where you call me to live, how much money I'm making. My life goal is to know you and to make you know. You know, And I think God is... is calling each one of us to realize that is that we exist, as the passage said earlier, for the praise of his glory. I think oftentimes once people realize this, then often God will give them a more specific calling, uh, maybe to a place or to a group of people. Like Paul talks about his calling to the Gentiles. Um, Marcus a lot of times talks about his calling to the ski resort ministry. I believe I have a calling on my life to use the outdoors as a platform to point people to God. And uh, so maybe you, maybe you have a calling like that on your life. That's more of a specific calling. We all have this overarching inherited calling. Um, so again, we're called to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. How do we do that? Well, Paul goes on to talk about it. In essence, what we're called to do is look to the one who called us. Look to Christ. And uh, that starts with humility. In verse 2 it says, With all humility and gentleness. Let's talk about humility first. Um, we know that, that Jesus was the most humble man there ever was. Philippians 2 tells us that He who was in very nature God did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But He took the form of a man and He became a servant, and he obeyed to death, even death on a cross. See, Christ had every right to position himself above others, yet instead he lowered himself and he chose to serve. Some of us need to hear the hard words this morning that there's nothing that God can call you to do that is below you, you know? Yeah. What if somebody, were to, Jesus was like calling somebody to, uh, to, to do something and, and the person's like, well, I don't really fa- feel called to uh, custodial ministry. You know, I'd rather use my gifts uh, in a way that, you know, I feel more called to. Well, we need to realize that, um, sorry, I lost my place. Sometimes living a life worthy of the calling is realizing that serving the Lord is not hi- about highlighting our gifts. It's about serving. And then there's also the other side of pride where some of us need to hear that God could, there's nothing that God could call you to do that is above what he is capable of doing through you. What I mean is maybe you don't think you have anything to offer. And the truth is none of us do. 
but you fail to believe that God can use you. So no matter what side you're coming from, both perspectives have self at the center of the equations. And both show that our faith is really in ourselves and what we do or don't bring to the table. Both fail to realize that God hasn't called anyone because they had something that he needed. If you look anywhere at scripture where God has called somebody, whether it's Moses or David or even the disciples, he wasn't looking for the best or the brightest or the most talented. And I scratch my head sometimes when I hear people say like, oh, can you imagine what God could do through that person if they would just come to Christ? I feel like that reveals an attitude that we somehow believe that God needs help, you know? Do you believe that God has everything that he needs to accomplish what he wants to do right now? God isn't waiting for more talented people. He's waiting for those who are willing. He's waiting for you and for me to obey, to answer his call. And so how do we come? We come and we say, God, I know that I am not enough. I know that I have nothing that you need. And I feel like if you really saw who I am, you would never use me. But, God, I know that you are in the business of saving sinners. And I know that you're in the business of using broken people as his instruments to do so. So uh, this past summer, as you should, most of you know Marcus and his family were gone on sabbatical, and uh, I stepped into the leadership role of the ministry, and uh, along with that, my family was moving and renovating a house, and so there was a lot going on, and uh, there were some moments of like difficulty this summer where I just felt like totally stripped bare, exhausted, uh, physically, mentally, I was overwhelmed, and in the midst of these uh, like life obstacles, I was being asked to walk into some of the most intense circumstances that I've ex experienced since being in full-time ministry. Couple, uh, one of, a couple of them uh, involved uh, a father losing a son. Another one involved a woman who was seeking help to get out of an abusive relationship. And these were like all things that, you know, I'd seen a little bit in ministry, but for the most part, I had just kind of like pushed it off. Like, all right, Marcus, that's yours, you know. But now that I was in the, the role, it was like, all right, this is what I'm called to do here. And so it was tough. Um, what it caused me to do was, was to say, like, God, I, I've, got, I've got nothing here. I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom. I'm not qualified. I don't have the experience. All I have is you. And all I have to offer is you. And it caused me to say, Lord, help me to trust that you are enough. And what I experienced in each one of those circumstances was that God was more than enough. His grace was more than enough for me, and he used me in greater ways than I ever could have imagined in those circumstances. And as God has continued to use me for his purposes, I'm realizing more and more that it's not always about knowing what to say or do but it's simply about trusting that he is enough and he'll provide what's necessary for his work to be accomplished and just being willing to say, Lord, I'm yours. Here I am. Send me. You know, I think it's, it's easy and it's so often we, we, we see a need and we try and brush it off or send it to somebody else. Like, oh, no, 
that's their issue or justify a reason why we shouldn't be used by God. But it's a gift that God would call you and I to join him in his work. And uh, that starts with humility. Both realizing that there's nothing below us that God couldn't call us to do and there's nothing that above us that God couldn't do through us. So that's humility. If we look back at this, I'm going to read through a little further. Um, I'll just start from the beginning again. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which have you have been called, with all humility and gentleness. Gentleness is an interesting one. Um, the Lord taught me a little bit about gentleness back before I worked here. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was a phys ed teacher in an alternative school, which means uh, it's a school where kids who get uh, either kicked out of public school, expelled, or they're re-entering into the public school system from like uh, juvenile detention, they all collide right there. So there's some kids with some rough behavioral and emotional issues, and uh, I was right out of college going into being a phys ed teacher, and my mentality at the start was like, all right, these kids are, are hard, they're rough, and so I'm going to come in there and I'm going to be hard and rough, like, right back at them. And uh, it wasn't long before I realized, like, that is not working. <laughs> and uh, it's probably because they don't respond to that well that they're there in the first place. And so the Lord was gracious, and he, he uh, reminded me of the words of Jesus, where Jesus said, uh, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And, uh, you know, that, that was really uh, impactful for me in realizing that I can be assertive and I can still be gentle. Because there's a difference between being assertive and being self-assertive. I think, you know, for those of you who got guys who are in school or anyone who remembers the teacher who was like really just about enforcing their will over you than they were about like keeping order in the classroom. Those are two different things. And uh, being self-assertive is much different than being assertive. There's that balance between like grace and truth. Um, I love uh, a guy named Bob Goff. Uh, he puts these like little Facebook posts out that are always nuggets of gold so follow him on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. But uh, one of my favorite quotes of his uh, is, he says, arguments won't change people. Only Jesus has the power to change people. And it'll be harder for them to see Jesus if their view of him is blocked by your opinion. And so there's that balance of like grace and truth. Being wise as serpents, gentle as doves. Realizing that, you know, our calling is not to put people in their place. Our calling is not to get people to fall in line. Our calling is not to end a conversation with, boom, roasted, as much as we might like to. We're called to love with word and deed and point people to the grace of God that's only found in Christ. You know, Romans 8 reminds us that it's God's kindness that is intended to lead us to repentance. And I couldn't help but uh, think of the verse from 1 Peter 3.15 that says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. 
So, we're going to keep making our way. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, and with patience. Patience. Whew, this is a hard one for me. I find myself uh, in ministry and, and in life. There's people that I care about and I want to see um, flourish. And I'm like, Lord, I just wish they would change faster. <laughs> Even about myself. You know, Lord, why, why am I so slow to learn? Why am I slow, so slow? Uh, why do I keep coming back to this, this same hard lesson? You know, I just, I just wish God... Maybe, maybe you're saying, I just wish God would bring people in my life who are more interested in spiritual things. I just wish God, or I just wish more, um, I wish he would bring more people who are ready to hear what I have to say. Or I wish he would call me to people who are less annoying. How about that? <laughs> Whatever the situation is, God has perfectly designed your situation Not only, um, not only for you for his work to be accomplished in the people who you're uh, serving, but also for his work to be accomplished in you and in your heart. The question is, are you willing to submit to that? And is Christ enough? So, if God calls you to love a friend or a neighbor who continually returns your kind gestures for rude ones, is Christ still enough? If God calls you to invest in a brother or a sister who doesn't respond to your leadership, is Christ still enough? If God calls you to suffer long in the face of difficulty without explanation or understanding, is Christ still enough? Another familiar one uh, from 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The difficulty of the life that God has called us to is not only for the good of others, but it's for our own good as well. I think... You know, what I'm realizing is that patience and trust go hand in hand. Trusting that God is at work in the midst of the mess. Trusting that he's not confused or frustrated. Trusting that he knows what he's doing even when we can't see or understand. And when we realize how patient God has been with us, it makes it just a little bit easier to be patient with others and to be patient uh, with him as he carries out his work to completion in us and in the world around us. And so, um, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. You know, I think it's important to realize that this calling that we've been given is not intended to be done alone. I think if we are all in this on our own, or if, if we think we are in this on our own, we're not going to be humble, we're not going to be gentle, we're not going to be patient with one another. You know, the church is described as the body. I've been having some back issues for the last few months, nothing major, but enough to like get my attention. 
And I've kind of learned how to like live life or do things without really using my back as hard as I, I would. You know, it's the same thing if you have like a bad foot or a bad knee. Like you learn how to exist because the other parts of the body will carry the weight of the part that's hurting. Um, and that's how it's supposed to be in the church. We bear with one another and uh, because we are one and we believe that we are one body. You know, verse 4 through 6 say, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. So, in the context of the church body, I, I think it's really important, um, and I strongly believe that, like, there's no just existing in the body. You're either working or you're receiving, right? Just like I wouldn't walk around like not using one foot or one arm if, unless it were injured. If I were like up here like with an arm, with a sling on and moving stuff around, getting set up, and somebody would be like, oh, is there something wrong with your arm? No, it's just, it's off today, you know? Not, not, not doing anything. Um, that's kind of ludicrous, you know? So, each one of you are an important part of the body, and you're a part of something greater than yourself. And when you separate yourself from the body, um, and you just go limp, the whole body suffers. So I want to encourage each one of you to realize that you're, you're called to this church. If you're a believer in this town, not, not like Loon Mountain Ministry, but the believers, the universal church, you are called to be a part of that body. And, uh, you know, discipleship doesn't happen from one person meeting with another person. Because if I meet with Nathaniel, I can only learn one aspect of the body of Christ. I need to be interacting with all brothers and sisters, all different kinds of brothers and sisters, so that I can become like Christ in the many different ways um, that my brothers and sisters are, that they can teach me, and vice versa. Um, and this is one of the things that we really try and live out in our missional community. And that's to care for one another, to bear with one another as a family. If somebody needs something like help moving or kids watched or yard work done, even financial assistance, that's something that we do our best to gather around that person and to help carry the load uh, that's too great for them to, to bear at that time. And, uh, you know, Jesus said that the number one way that people will know that you are my disciples is by your love for one another. I really think we underestimate this one as a church and uh, as God calls his church. Um, you know, you got to think, think about it from an outsider's perspective. Like, why would people want to be a part of the family of God if they don't see the love of God lived out by the family of God? And I think all too often we gather at a church service or a small group and we study God's word and we fellowship with one another, which are good things. But then we go out and we have like solo mission, like we're, we're, we're on mission alone. Jesus never sent out his disciples alone. He sent them in pairs. This is why we so value being a community on mission together. And if any of you would be interested in, in checking out our missional community, I would invite you, come talk to me afterwards. You know, you're not committing to anything by hearing about it or coming to a, a gathering that we have, but uh, you know, we, we desire that all, all people would be involved in community outside of Sunday morning. Um, so we are one body, 
with Christ as the head, and so we bear with one another in love, just as Christ has done for us. The thing about all this is that we're never going to be able to live a life worthy of, the, worthy of the calling we've received if we haven't experienced his love personally, and if we're not relying on his power to live it out. When you come to know and experience God and his love for you in Christ, his spirit enters you and his power begins to work in and through you. And it's an amazing and undeniable thing uh, for anyone who's experienced it. The more I grow in my faith and the more I grasp God's love, the more I find myself being like stirred to a point of like tears even. Like, Lord, your love. Sometimes I'll be in my office listening to worship music and a line will just hit me. Somebody walks in the door and they're like, Peter, are you crying? And I'm like, no, like you're crying. <laughs> in uh, Ephesians 3, it... Uh, it talks about this relationship between understanding God's love and the power that he gives through that. Ephesians 3, 14 through 20 says, Now for this reason I kneel before the Father, from, his, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We receive power when we truly begin to grasp God's love for us. This is a power which surpasses knowledge. That, as that verse just said, that we might be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And how do we know that God loves us? We know primarily because of what he's done through Christ. And what Jesus did for us was not light. It wasn't easy. He gave of himself fully. He laid down his life so ours could be taken up. He went to the cross and bore our unrighteousness so that we could be called a righteous people. He went far out from the Father so that we could be brought near at the cross, Jesus' body was broken so that we could be made whole. At the cross, Jesus' blood was shed so that we could be made clean, and it's by his wounds that we're healed. At the cross, Jesus took our place as children of wrath and rebellion, and we became children of God, just as Christ is. We were adopted into God's family. And by his kindness, he leads us to repentance. And as we learned last week, true repentance is to say, God, you are great. I am nothing. But by your grace, you allow me to approach you. So here I am. I'm yours. Send me. This is the life worthy of the calling. 
not, not feeling like you have it all together and knowing uh, that your skills can be used. It's actually the opposite. It's knowing that you have nothing to offer. But God's love has reached down, picked you up, and then saying, Lord, I give it all to you. My prayer for you guys, just, just as Paul was praying in Ephesians 3 for the church, is that our hearts would be continually stirred with affection for God and for his love for us in Christ. You know, if we, we, can, we can go out into our community and we can try and be really, really good people and try and be do-gooders, but if, if that is just us relying on our own strength and on our own goodness, you know, we're just as lost as somebody who turns the opposite direction because we're trying to earn God's favor. We live life out of an overflow of what God has done for us. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I don't know what that's like. You know, some of this stuff that you're saying about what Jesus has done for us, I don't know if I believe that. Well, like I said, I don't think it was an accident that you're here this morning. And uh, I'm going to be praying that God would continue to bring that to mind. And that he would give us all a greater understanding, myself included, of, of the love that he has for us in Christ. So that in turn, when that love consumes us, we are empowered by his spirit and then we can go and live that life that's worthy of the calling that we have received. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that, that you called your children before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in your sight, Lord. And you have prepared for us good works. Lord, these, these works do not uh, define who we are. And we don't do them to uh, gain right status in your eyes, Lord. We are already fully and completely loved in Christ. Father, I pray that for each one of us, whether we have known you for years and years or whether... We're not really even sure if you're, if you're real, Lord. I pray that you would break down barriers in our walls, in our hearts, and that we would increasingly surrender to you, whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time, Lord. We are all in need of your grace today. We love you. I pray that you would bless our uh, time of fellowship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.